It's Monday the 23rd of March 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. Now, this is the beginning of week two working at home for me, um, as with most of my colleagues at Ruv. As a result, I'm out and about again with my microphone. Lucky enough to be joined again this week by University of Iceland Medical School Professor Dr. Magnus Gottfriðsson, and also by Ruv broadcast journalist Stigur Helgason. We begin, though, with Dr. Magnus. In a mark of how things are changing very quickly and that we are in a situation that's never happened before. One of many hundreds of different things is that for the first time ever on this show, we've got the same guest two weeks in a row. Uh, Dr. Magnus Gotteritson, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're very busy. Um, Can you tell me some of the things that have changed for you since we spoke a week ago? Well, the primary change, thank you for for having me, uh, is that we have an increase in, in the number of diagnosed cases which is to be expected. Um, We're following uh, the predicted pattern, uh, so to speak, uh, the projections that have been uh, put forward by the statistical modelers. Um, And this is, of course, being reviewed every day and reanalyzed. So this is one thing. Uh, Of course, this will create uh, uh, an increased workload on the healthcare uh, system. There's been an increase in number of people that are sent into quarantine. At the same time, there is a a relative shortage of of, uh, swaps to to collect samples, and this is a worldwide problem. And as a result, uh, the screening has uh, temporarily halted. So we're basically focusing on those that have uh, clinical symptoms that justify uh, taking a sample, uh, but hopefully we will get some more uh, swaps to 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 restart the, the screening program in, in the next few days. Mm-hmm. I read in the news that the number of swaps that are going to be coming to Iceland is, is reduced by several thousand. Is that still the case? And if so, what would that mean for, for testing? Well, I, I heard yesterday at the, at the briefing that uh, they had cut down the number of swaps from 5,000 to 2,000, and uh, they're probably rationing it to all the buyers across Europe, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, to to put this into a context, I think this means that we will need to be more selective when it comes to, to testing. Hopefully that will be a temporary thing. And what impact could that have on, on the figures? Because if we're testing less people, we're going to be finding less cases. Will that make the figures look better than they are, do you think? Well, um, yes, there is, a, there is obviously uh, a concern that we may uh, not be able to uh, confirm as many cases um, as before in, in an ideal world. But, um, but on the other hand, we can also resort to clinical diagnosis. So if there is a, an epidemiological link or if there is a strong suspicion, um, clinicians may need to resort to clinical diagnosis uh, during this stage. And this is actually something that we uh, do quite a bit during influenza seasons. We do not, in fact, send samples from everybody who is suspected of having influenza. Uh, so the diagnosis is primarily used 
uh, during the uh, escalation phase, you know, of an epidemic. Mm -hmm. But then it does uh, become somewhat impractical to take swabs from everybody involved. And uh, so I think uh, if we uh, think uh, maybe, you know, a week or a couple of weeks from now, it may be that it will be difficult in practical terms to collect swamp samples from everybody. And what is a clinical uh, diagnosis that you speak of? What, what does that involve? Well, a clinical diagnosis is basically, you know, the symptoms that are associated with this infection. And of course, it's very nonspecific because it can overlap with other in infections, with uh, other viruses such as uh, influenza, parainfluenza and others. But it means that uh, people are complaining of upper respiratory tract symptoms, dry cough, fever, fatigue, headaches, amongst other things. Mm. We spoke last week about the potential peak infection time being around mid-April. Um, is that still the current best, best, uh, best uh, guess? Um, I think that's still the prediction from the modelers. Uh, I have not seen an update on their predictions uh, uh, since we last spoke, uh, and I think that uh, yeah, that still holds true. Of course, there are several uncertainties in, in this prediction, and we know that models tend to become less accurate the further you go from uh, the date of prediction. So the, the error of margin uh, the, uh, they increase quite a bit as you as you uh, go further into the future in your predictions. Uh, and obviously, the way that the authorities are registering cases and presenting them to the public is changing as well. We see on the COVID.AS website um, that they've started updating the figures at midnight every day instead of eleven o'clock in the morning. Do you know first first of all why they've done that? What the what what has changed in their method there? or um, I may not be the best person to, to answer that question. I think it has to do with logistics and it's, it's unfortunate to be posting uh, results on individuals, albeit uh, you know, an aggregate figure, uh, when uh, the people in question have not been contacted. So I think it's an effort to kind of standardize the approach and it's uh, difficult uh, for the clinical staff who contacts the patients and monitors them at home uh, to be making the phone calls really late at night. So I think it's a, it's a practical uh, solution to, to this problem because most of the, many of the samples are turning positive in the late afternoon and in the evening. Uh, at the time that we're speaking now on Monday morning, the figures online haven't been updated since Saturday. Um, obviously, that hasn't happened so far. Um, do you have any idea why that might be? Sorry, no. No, no. not a way. <laughs> okay, um, since midnight today, the, the SAMCOMA ban, the assembly ban, and other measures made, taken by the government have been strengthened. Can you briefly run over what some of the key points are that we should be aware of today? Well, the key points are that we need to be uh, uh, cognizant of the fact that there is an as as escalation uh, um, and it is important to realize that all of us uh, have a personal responsibility to follow the um, recommendations that have been put forward and the most important thing for the general public is to know that 
uh, any group gatherings of less than or more than 20 people are, 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 uh, are not allowed anymore temporarily and to try to minimize the contact keep the distance at two meters and less than 15 uh, minutes uh, so that's basically the main message we also know that they will be closing down the um, the gyms the swimming pools unfortunately so people will need, will need to find other ways to to exercise and keep uh, company um, so I think these are kind of the most important points at the moment how much of a difference do you think it's going to make reducing that maximum number of people from 100 down to 20 in practical terms it's uh, it's difficult for me to predict um, I think uh, the the number itself is is one thing the other thing is that the the message is becoming uh, clearer and the uh, seriousness of of the situation is also uh, reinforced by uh, taking this step i believe but um, it of course all boils down to the uh, actions of um, of the public you know how compliant people are how uh, mindful they are of of, of these recommendations and uh, we can, of course, have all, all the rules and recommendations in the world that don't really work if, if, if we don't uh, abide by them. A lot of people have obviously got goodwill towards this situation and they want to help and they want to do their part. But it could be sometimes easy to think, oh, I was with 30 people yesterday in a room and that was bad. So it makes no difference. I might as well go and do it again today. Can, what's your reaction to that sort of um, thinking? Why is it? good why should people stick to the stick to the ban even if they broke it yesterday well even if you uh, did something that was not kosher uh, yesterday uh, doesn't mean that it entitles you to keep you know uh, on doing that and and these recommendations and uh, this change has been made with the uh, the best interest of the public in mind and I think we all have a responsibility to to uh, do our bit in a setting like that. I should probably rephrase the question. Um, why is it dangerous to think, oh well I've probably caught it by now anyway because I've been around so many people so I shouldn't change my behaviour. Why is that dangerous? It's dangerous because people can in fact uh, transmit while they are asymptomatic. So if they're mixing uh, you know, with a lot of other people, and they keep on doing that, uh, there's a, a real possibility that they will uh, actually spread the infection quite a bit to, to other uh, people. Uh, talking of the effic efficacy of the measures being taken, um, every time that the rules get made harsher, we get a barrage of online commentators saying, see, I said this should have been done weeks ago, now they're listening to me. Is that true? Are the actions failing somewhat, or is it is there a, an overlying logic to the, to making this process slow? Well, uh, as as you said, you know, there's a lot of opinions and a lot lots of of, uh, of uh, experts, quote unquote, out there, and uh, everybody has their opinion uh, about these things. I think the authorities are always uh, trying to. Uh, keep in mind the principle that the uh, the measures should not be 
too harsh. They should not be uh, unnecessarily um, uh, brutal, if you will. Um, so uh, I think that's the overall principle that guides them. And, and uh, the timing, I think, uh, is important and uh, we need to be acting on the data that we have. Uh, there are, of course, several controversies uh, that uh, uh, are around uh, a situation like this one. And, uh, and uh, in the end, I think the authorities and those making the decisions will inevitably be facing criticism. It's part of the game. They will be facing criticism for, from both sides, I would imagine, mm -hmm. when everything is said and done. You know, both the group that uh, calls for uh, more decisive action, uh, more draconian measures, you know, implementation really early in the course, and then on the other hand, people that think that we are overreacting. And I hear mm, these viewpoints uh, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a it's a it's a tough situation to be in. Obviously, no one can say until this is all over, but um, from your personal perspective, would you be doing roughly the same things as the authorities are doing right now at, at the times that they're doing them? Um, to be honest, I, I don't really have access to the same level of data as they have. And so I trust the authorities to be doing the right thing you know, with the data that they have. But I think, you know, when when all of this is over with and we can lean backwards in our easy chairs and we have all, all, all of the data, you know, in front of us, we can probably reach some other conclusions and draw some lessons from this, I'm sure. For next time. <laughs> well, hopefully there won't be next time. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, in another um, indication of how different things are, uh, Ruv is working under different rules at the moment that anyone who possibly can work from home does so. That includes me. Those that cannot, for example, broadcast journalists on television and radio, the, the newsroom is running as normal and there are very strict uh, zoning rules in the house. As a result, I'm here standing outside the building with Stigur Helgason, um, broadcast journalist. Well, thank you for your time today. Uh, welcome. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, first of all, how things are going in this very building here at Roof. Um, what's the atmosphere like in the newsroom? I've got to be honest, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, you said the newsroom is running as normal. Uh, I guess I wouldn't quite put it that way. I mean, it's, it's, it's really not normal. We, we've, uh, we've, basically switched everything up uh, we're not uh, we're not uh, on our same you know shift schedule as normally we we've uh, shuffled that all uh, so we're we, now there are two distinct shifts that never meet uh, for example I'm here on uh, Monday Tuesday and then Friday Saturday Sunday and on Wednesday and Thursday, there's just a whole new group of people that shows up. Everything is, you know, cleaned in the meantime. And the, the purpose is, you know, if someone 
gets infected uh, on one shift and all the other people on that shift need to be quarantined, then we can still keep telling people news. So uh, that's one thing, uh, as you mentioned, the, the whole building has been has been zoned off. Uh, I'm in uh, quarantine zone uh, one. So I never get to meet anyone in zones two to 10. And there are 10 zones in the whole building. And uh, no one from one zone gets to meet another person from a different zone. We get our food delivered to us from, from the cafeteria. Stuff like this. Um, we, we don't have meetings anymore uh, that is to say we don't sit down in meetings we all our meetings are are via different meeting software google teams zoom all that stuff um so i mean it impacts everything we do uh, yeah just the whole day we we can't walk in the main into the main entrance of the building anymore we we need to we actually have two entrances entrances the 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 newsroom, uh, I don't think there are many other zones that have two entrances, so we're special, I guess. <laughs> Indeed, and you're also special in the fact that you're the, the contact point between Ruv and the world. Obviously, you have to still be interviewing people and, uh, and, and getting out and about. How is the work on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, we try to not let it impact the work, uh, but obviously it does. Um, now we have those uh, those uh, press briefings uh, from the, the authorities every day at two o'clock. Uh, that's obviously just become a big part of our work. Show up there, uh, have a, uh, one reporter uh, present to ask questions and uh, just uh, you know do a, a, a segment for the for the evening news. Um, uh, one way that all this has impacted those meetings is, is that we stopped sending the, the two television uh, news programs, Stutve uh, and Ruv, they've stopped sending different cameramen to the meeting. So so we, on, on Mondays to uh, Thursdays, we use the Stutve cameraman, and then Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, they use our cameraman just also for the for the live broadcasts of the meeting um that's just they basically asked us to do it to to so there wouldn't need to be as many people there Who's the, they the authorities the, the authorities yeah uh, they don't they're they're just minimizing risk uh, and uh, this is something we're obviously not very used to doing but weird times call for, for different measures. That's the sort of thing that could almost, for cost reasons, carry on permanently. I guess so. Uh, when the, when uh, our producers told us about this, I thought, of course, this makes perfect sense. Uh, both, both stations are broadcasting this live uh, on TV and on the web. It's just static cameras. Uh, rolling why why do we need two of them uh, I mean of course someone might say um, it, it's more secure if if the camera 
something happens, we still have ours. So, but but we we, we can't think about those things uh, in, in these times. So, yeah. Talking about the the news from those uh, press conferences and the figures that we're releasing every day, they've changed the COVID. .is website to, to update at midnight every day, you've probably noticed, as it used to be 11 in the morning. Uh, but we haven't had new figures since Saturday, last I checked. Do you have any explanation for why that might be? Actually, I don't. I wasn't working the whole weekend and I just got in today, so I, I really haven't asked many questions. Um, uh, I wonder if it's possible that the uh, Saturday figures are the ones that they released yesterday that they release figures from the day before so today they might release Sunday's figures just uh, I wonder if that's that's the case um, actually the covid.is uh, tool is very helpful to us uh, and they actually have uh, made it so that we can embed the graphics into our uh, website and and all the new sites can do that also the landspitale figures they they release their own figures about how many people are in the icu how many people are are just in the hospital uh, because of this disease how many people they've treated they have a different different website all of this is embeddable in the news websites which is really great service and we use it a lot i, I mean i mean this is teaching everyone a lot, and I hope once we get through all this, we can do a lot of things better, perhaps, both us and the authorities as well. It was interesting the way that website came to be, because there was some guy that bought the, the domain name for his business, I think, and then when this disease came up, he decided to give it to the government. They welcomed it. and. And now also, just quickly, since a few days ago, they've also started doing the whole website in Polish as well. Uh, it's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I, I actually think um, we ran a, a small story on the web about this guy who bought, I think that was COVID-19.is, which they're actually not using, but they bought it still just to avoid confusion. But I mean, he had no malicious intent. He, I think he, his idea was to uh just make a website with some information uh, but the authorities thought we'd rather have control of all of these covid related urls so they bought that but i also think we, we haven't run a story on it but i also think they did that with the covid.is someone else had bought it they just asked them. I, I don't think the authorities actually bought it from these people they just asked them to release it they can do that in the interest of national i guess security yeah, but but I mean the the as I said the website it's a great tool. Uh, I I the the information team around this um, the, the work of the authorities I think is doing a pretty pretty great job. Are you aware of obviously that everyone seems to be an online expert these days? Um, is the is the roof social media getting a lot of this? Uh, discussion from the public about the, the direction that the authorities are taking yes a lot um, and I mean we welcome it uh, s some of the messages we get are very relevant and uh, end up actually being questions that we 
put to the to the authorities on these uh, on these press meetings. So, I mean, they're not all as good and relevant. Some we, we of course get a lot of questions that have been answered multiple times. That's just the way that goes. Uh, but we, yeah, we see. Oh, naturally, we see a lot of interest from the public in this particular. I wouldn't say case or story. Just this this whole thing situation uh, much more than normally um, uh, but as I said we, we welcome it we, we hope people continue to to send us both uh, questions um, uh, as well as just information we, I mean we, we've gotten a lot of information about things that are going on that we might have missed uh, we, we sometimes say we, we can't tell the news unless we know about it so this is one way to know about it if people out there just let us know talking about the news uh, what about everything else going on in the world the world isn't completely at a standstill are we still telling the stories of uh, I mean what sort of kind of resources are going into telling everything else that's going on obviously not as much as before but we're still trying to be mindful that both there are things going on that we need to tell people about. Uh, for example, there was this earthquake in uh, Zagreb in Croatia yesterday. We did a, a story on TV about that. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm forgetting that there was this, I would say, funny slash sad story last week about, uh, or the week before, about the guy who who hijacked the cement truck and then it turned out a few days later he got arrested again suspected of trying to burn down uh, a club downtown it's a very interesting case uh, I mean we, we have to tell these stories as well they have nothing to do with this this situation this epidemic I think maybe it, maybe it had something to do with what he did but I, I don't know um, and also we we also have to just tell people uh, uplifting stories once in a while as well even though almost everything in the world is somehow tainted by this I mean the, most of the stories we tell even though they on the surface have nothing to do with this if you look closely, they they usually do, up to a point, uh, and then we just say that. But that's not the focal point of the stories. So yeah, we we that's a thing that we're trying to be very mindful of. That there are still other things happening, and we can't forget it. It, it, it it's a danger. It, 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 we it could be an opportunity to hide things as well. Exactly. I mean. Uh, there are, for example, uh, a week ago or so, I think, um, the Minister of, of uh, Yeah, the Transport and Local the, Government uh, yeah. Minister. Yeah. The, the, the Minister of Transport, he put a bill to Parliament um, about the tolls, uh, the road tolls which was a huge issue uh, only a few months ago, and it got almost no discussion. 
maybe it's okay that it got little discussion because it probably won't be passed or even discussed in Parliament in the coming days or weeks. But still, I mean, it's... We have to ask ourselves, are, is someone going to use this situation to try to get things through or get things done without anyone noticing? Can't let that happen. Uh, just in closing, um, how, does, how does your day look today? What are you, what's on your table? I'm actually running the shift today in the newsroom, so I just got here like 15 minutes to 12. Um, I have a meeting with uh, today's shift at uh, 1 p.m. where we decide how we're going to do things today. Um, and then basically it's just keeping in good contact with the, the reporters in the field and in-house and in our uh, in our uh, stations for example in Akureyri uh, reading through uh, the scripts for the for the stories i mean my day is probably more normal than than many other people's days mm. because i get to be here at the office um in the warm yeah, I don't go down to the, the where we actually uh, broadcast, send out broadcast the news to the studio. That's another one of those <sighs> things that have changed. I have to stay upstairs in uh, j just on the floor uh, and, and try to keep in contact with the anchor and and the producers from up there. Doing doing it that way. I am doing it that way for the first time tonight. Other people have been, were doing it last week. So, just interesting, interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Well, um, typical March weather. I arrived in blazing sunshine, and now we're standing in the middle of a hailstorm. So, uh, thank you for joining me in the cold, Stu Helgson. Much appreciated. Thank you. Well, there we go. Thanks to my two guests. That concludes this week's interviews. The Week in Iceland will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app and your favourite podcast provider next Monday, the 30th of March. Now, we end the show on a performer, Iceland's sparkliest and best-known pop star, Paul Oscar, who quietly turned 50 last week. Uh, this is one of his favourite songs, one of our favourite songs of his. It's called Allt für Austina, All for Love. And I think it's a wonderful message this week as ever. Bye for now. Sama hvernig fyrr Stendur eftir staðin þín Að ég Sama hvernig var Bæti gefið annan sens Einu sinni enn Allt fyrir ástina Eina sem aldrei nógu er að Mennittir elska fóta Kveljast bjást og sata Allt fyrir ástina Sama hvað lífið gæðir mér Ég segði út er hatrið Inn með ástina Sá sem með
feel it, I'm feeling high.